Fantasy Film 101. I'm not a fan of high fantasy. Never have been. And one of the reasons why is that, to me, I'm more interested in connecting the world that I live in with a magic. Which is weird because I'm also not really big into urban fantasy, though that will be challenged by a couple of films I'll be talking about a little later this year. But Willow is a movie that I adore. Just stupid much. And it's largely because it has a phenomenal cast. Warwick Davis, Val Kilmer, Joanne Whaley, Billy Barty, the highly underrated Pat Roach, professional wrestler extraordinaire, wonderful human being, Kevin Pollack doing sort of a, I guess he's comic relief, which is good because he's a comic. Plus, you have people like David J. Steinberg, you have, uh, who is great also in everything, and sadly passed away about 10 years ago. But I loved, loved seeing him in ever, pretty much everything he was in. He was in The Hebrew Hammer. He was in uh, uh, The Days and Nights of Molly Dodd. I remember I saw him on that. And of course, Ugly Betty, which everyone showed up on apparently. And it's a pretty complicated story. But really, here is where we got Val Kilmer as the closest he would get to playing a swashbuckler. And watching Willow, I see why the people who cast him for Batman cast him as Batman. But he couldn't connect with that Batman. Warwick Davis is a phenomenal actor who deserves every accolade we can give him. Because he has been... He's been so good in everything. The Leprechaun movies, he was legitimately scary. Legitimately scary. Of course, he was an Ewok. He was Professor Flitwick. He's been in... I want to say he's probably been in about 100 movies. But what he's always managed to do is to play the character so well. He's one of our great genre actors. Him, Bill Blair, Sam Rockwell, Alec Guinness was one as well. He's an amazingly good, and what's even more impressive is that he is an amazingly good villainous genre actor. Watch Leprechaun and watch what he does. He's super smart. And here he's playing the hero. And he's playing the hero alongside Val Kilmer, who is playing this sort of, let's face it, he's playing Han Solo. And if you had called this J.R. Tolkien, Tolkien's Star Wars... I would have totally bought that. The two things that make this a phenomenal moment in this are the effects. Before, really in the 80s, we started to see the application of effects beyond science fiction films. Science fiction films have always been one of the prime places where you put special effects. Some degree for fantasy films. And of course, there's some crossover, The Invisible Man. Uh, you could easily read that as being a fantasy film. And the effects here are are not super limited, but there's a wonderful morphing scene at a time when morphing was still brand new. I don't think we'd gotten Michael Jackson's black or white yet. It may have just come out. But Industrial Light and Magic's work here is great. One of the things that Willow does better than pretty much any other film I can think of is it dives you into a world of magic, but it doesn't make the story about magic. And in fact, this will be a massive spoiler, the way the story ends is just through an illusion. In essence, it's not because Willow is a great sorcerer, but it's because he's a damn good sleight-of-hand magician. Well, he's an okay sleight-of-hand magician. He's a sleight-of-hand magician. Let's just say that. 
And that's a key. This is something, this is one of the things, I'll be talking about the Lego movie at some point. And the key to Willow is that Willow uses what he has to succeed over the evil that is approaching and encroaching. Whereas in the Lego movie, Emmett has to become the magician. He has to deal with the magic instead of being able to solve everything, just being who he is. And this is one of the things I think is really bothers me about a lot of fantasy, which is weird for a guy who's doing a fantasy podcast, is that it is not about being who you are. It is about embracing something that is supposedly better than who you are. Here, that doesn't happen. And that it really makes this a, a key film for me because I'm always, I'm always mournful, I guess, about this whole trope of only by moving beyond what you are can you become what you are meant to be. Because 95% of the time, that's crap. Here, it's someone working within their known world and they solve the big problem. And I love it. There are some remarkable performances here. There really are. And I know a lot of people get down on it. I don't understand why. Joanne Whaley as Sorsha, super attractive, well played in her role. There is a lovely chemistry between her and Val Kilmer, which would may explain why they got married. And the way she's written is, it's very different. Because she is written not as an equal of Mad Mardigan and Val Kilmer's character, but at the same time, she is sort of his better. It's a very, very different different way of, of taking that character. And it actually has a lot, it's a lot closer in relationship to how you might see uh, in film noir, the detective and usually his secretary. Sometime it's the woman who comes in to give him the case if she's not the femme fatale who's leading him down the road to utter disrespect. Uh, it's a very, very interesting interplay. Jean Marsh as Queen Bavmorda is phenomenally good, massively overplaying the role. But what that does is that levels a playing field because everything's overplayed in this film. The special effects are overplayed. The music is overplayed, even though it's lovely. I love the score. The cinematography is overplayed. All of it is overplayed. The comedy is overplayed. Kevin Pollack and Rick Overton uh, go over the top. Everything is over the top. And Jean Marsh manages to go over the over the top. And she's great. In many ways, she is Peter Cushing when he decides to chew the scenery. Maybe a better example is Dudley Moore. Billy Barty is great in, ev in everything he's ever done. And I think Billy Barty might be the finest little person actor who ever lived. Uh, in his roughly 70 years in, in acting, he was super good in everything. From, if you've ever seen... Uh, the Gold Diggers of 1933, he's wonderful. He plays a baby in it. And it's a very, very short part, but it's great. He escapes his stroller. It's, it's awesome. I forgot that he was in The young, he was in the Bride of Frankenstein. Uh, he was in Harem Scarum and Roused About. It was a Roused About uh, with Elvis. He was just so good. A film that I've got to find a way to talk about because it's not worthy of registry, but it's still one of my favorite films of the 70s, Foul Play the Goldie Hawn uh, Chevy Chase vehicle that was really good, and he was great in it. But if you look at, you know, UHF, he's great in UHF. Uh, he was great in Day of the Locust. He's been great in everything. But what becomes most important is that Billy Barty 
knew how to act. Same with Warwick Davis. And in many ways, I kind of find this as being the torch passing, where Billy Barty sort of passed the torch to the great little person actor, to Warwick Davis. And now, of course, we've got the wonderful Peter Dinklage, who is great in everything, again. And their styles are all very different. Because Billy Barty is a great actor across the board. No matter what you give him, he's going to play the hell out of it. Warwick Davis, no matter what you give him, he's going to play the hell out of it, but he's going to be a bit more pointed than Billy Barty would have been at the same moment. And Peter Dinklage is just intensity. He can be intensely funny or intensely serious. He's great. But the performances overall, I mean, uh, General Kale, played by Pat Roach, great. Wonderful actor. Great wrestler, too, apparently. I've only seen one or two of his matches and very short clips of them, and they're, they're good. Uh, one of Britain's own. Of course, playing sort of the inverse of Bav Morda was Patricia Hayes as Finn Rizel, who is wonderful. Just great. She's probably one of the actresses that I most wish were still working today, because... There's a lot of material out there that could use her, honestly. This is a film that is made up of somewhat disparate parts. But when you take them individually, those parts are really good. They kind of ill-fit together at times. Notably, while I think it's magnificently produced, I think that Ron Howard as the director hadn't found his voice yet. Another film I'm going to be talking about, and it might be the next one I think, is going to be Splash, which perfectly used Ron Howard's voice. I think here, he was sort of muddled, and he doesn't quite hold everything together. And when you've got producers like Joe Johnston and Nigel Wool, you can actually let your director be a little looser. But that said, you then need to have everything else tightened down. And at times, it doesn't seem like they do. It's a little long, honestly. But even though it's a slightly longer film than it needs to be, it's over two hours, it still hits notes. And part of that, of course, is a wonderful James Horner score and the beautiful cinematography of Adrian Biddle, who, on a relatively short career, sadly died very young, but shot some great films like uh, Thelma and Louise, for example, and V for Vendetta, which can't go wrong with V for Vendetta. Another film I'll talk about at some point, because I think that really needs to be on the National Film Registry. And in a way, is a fantasy, but it's, of course, noted as science fiction, but we'll talk more about that when we get there. It's a beautifully shot film, and the music of James Horner is... I'm not the biggest fan of James Horner, because I can always tell a James Horner score, but before he passed away, was producing some great work. And when you look at films like Braveheart and Legends of the Fall and Titanic and The Mask of Zorro, another underrated film... There's a lot of just stuff that is, eh. But then you see he also does stuff like House of Sand and Fog or The Boy in the Striped Pajamas. And, you know, it's like, okay, well, that's better. Or The New World, even. Willow is a wonderfully produced film that is somewhat flawed. But what is great about it is that it can be any of a number of things. It can be eye candy. It can be a study in genre acting. It can be a a high fantasy thrill ride. It has all these possibilities. What it doesn't have is the cohesion that moves great films out of the realm of great movies. This is a great movie. It might not qualify for great films.